Welcome to the Toffee Blues Opposition View, I'm Max, as always, and coming up this weekend we get to see how the Blues are going to respond to that awful 5-1 loss last time out at the Emirates. I got the chance to sit down and talk to Terence of Holmesdale Radio, which is the Crystal Palace radio show and podcast, just to talk about Crystal Palace's performances this far this season, how the season's gone, what he expects for the remainder of the season, and how we think the game's going to go on Saturday. Welcome to the Toffee Blues Opposition View with me, Max. I'm joined by Terence of Holmesdale Radio, which is the Crystal Palace radio show and podcast. Well, Terence, it, it's been a peculiar season for Crystal Palace, um, particularly from an outsider looking in. Obviously, before the season started, you appointed um, a man who was very much in the running for the Everton job at one point, Frank DeBoer. Uh, didn't get off to the greatest of starts. I don't think you even scored a goal in his four Premier League games. Um and then obviously Roy Hodgson's come in and obviously the morale would have been low, confidence would have been low with the players. But, you know, Roy Hodgson, you know, the managerial journeyman that he is, I can recall several good results. I mean, I know you've got a 2-1 win over Chelsea and at one point you beat Leicester 3-0. Um, just how much influence has Roy Hodgson had in really turning your season around? Well, I mean, it's it's been quite a miracle, really, Um it took him. He got a bit off to a bit of a slow start, losing the first three, and um, you know people were not sure whether Hodgson was the right appointment. I mean, certainly if we would deployed him in the summer when we employed the boar, it would have probably been um, <laughs> people would have been upset about that. But you know, as it went on, you just he did he did basically what Allardyce did when he came in at Palace, or what Tony Pulis did when he came in at Palace. He just got us organised and give us a sort of a game plan and it started off simple and how his influence has grown is how he's expanded the way we play bit by bit by bit. So there's a switch in formations all the time if it's not going so well in games and the way the players understand their roles in multiple formations now across basically plans A, B and C, which we're not very used to seeing at Palace. Usually we've got Plan A, as we did under Allardyce, as I'm, I'm sure you've probably realised yeah. already now. And um, but if Plan A is not working, Hodgson's got to be in a C. And you know he's experienced success at clubs of our size. If you look at what he did with West Brom, what he did with Fulham, he's certainly you know proven in the past exactly how good he can be. And yeah, the turnaround's been great, and the climb up the league has been fantastic, especially factoring in all the injuries we have now. Yeah, you, you mentioned that a man who's going to be out on Saturday has been pretty much your key player, Wilfred Zaha, and he was a man. He was a man who scored in the last time that Crystal Palace faced Everton in that two-all draw, where Nias became the first player to be banned for deceiving an official. Um, just in overall context, how do Crystal Palace fans feel about Wilfred Zaha? I know he left when he was 20 years old and left for Manchester United. He was Sir Alex Ferguson's signing. Um, didn't really, uh, just didn't really seem to settle under David Moyes. But obviously, as an Everton fan, we know how much of a bitter taste I can leave. Mm. Seeing a young player with such potential go, you know, Wayne Rooney, John Stones, Romelu Lukaku, we've been in that boat. You know, we know how it feels. Mm. So can you just sum up how Crystal Palace fans feel towards Wilfred Zaha? Well, when he left when he was 20, 
we he went in the January before we got promoted. So we was we were very much in the mix of promotion, but you never knew if we were going to go up. And it was fifteen million pound on the table, which for us we were as a club making between two and three million pound loss a season. So you know, fifteen million pounds a lot of money to to get into the coffers. Um, did we blink early? We probably did, but um, as Steve Parish, our chairman, always said about Zaha, it was it's a case of when Man United come knocking, can you really say no, especially mm. when you're a championship club? And you know, you got to feel sorry for him. He's Sir Alex Ferguson's last signing. Um, he signed for a very different Man United to the one he turned up at, and it was always going to be very, very difficult for Moyes or anyone going into that club. You know, as it was for Van Gaal going in after him, and. Um, yeah, he was. He, it was always going to struggle to break into that team. He, he got uh, Player of the Season in their pre-season tour. And Man United fans were expecting big things, but for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Um, the press didn't help with. There was loads of rumours flying around about him and Moyes' daughter, which mm. were yeah, actually, but... ina- actually inaccurate. <laughs> but you know, like don't don't, <laughs> don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, you know. And um, when he came back, what there was a little bit before he came back because he was he wanted to come back on loan to us initially, but was forced out to Cardiff because um, apparently he was told that you know go and experience somewhere else. Mm. And um, we went to Cardiff and won three 0 in a big relegation battle towards the back end of that season. And Wilf um, came over to take a, a throw in or a corner in front of the Palace fans, and we're all singing his name and like he claps us. Immediately, the home fans are like Ayatollah Zaha, like wanting him to do the whole mm. like thing that they do at Cardiff. Yeah. No response from him whatsoever. Within a minute, he was substituted and walked straight off down the tunnel. And then we were all like, "He'll be back. We know yeah. he'll be back." And you know, he hit the ground running straight off. Scored on his debut or his second debut for us. But what was weird was May United had like sucked the life out of him in, to the extent that all he wanted to do was get the ball and get rid of it as quickly as possible and seeing Zaha now that's not the case you know the Zaha we knew that left was one that would pick up the ball only thought in his mind was to run at the defender and beat him sometimes two or three times too many but <laughs> but um <clears throat> you know he's finally growing back into the player that um we all thought that he could become and there's the consistencies there now and he's you know you set it up further up he's very very key for us he is our best player He's, he's way too good for us. Some Palace fans won't like me saying that, mm. but you have to realise your station sometimes. And he's he's way too good for us. But hopefully he's settled with us. He loves he loves South London. His family are all there. So hopefully we'll be able to keep him for way longer than we would be if he didn't have all those connections. Mm. But he's going to be a huge miss on the weekend and for the next five or six weeks. Yeah, definitely. You say that. And on the subject of the game coming up this weekend, how how do you feel like Palace are going to approach this? You know, I know you've got a lot you've got a few big games coming up you know Spurs Man United Chelsea and you're coming up an Everton side that are very low on confidence lack creativity and I've always thought whenever Everton have come up against Crystal Palace particularly the last few years you've always made it hard for us in terms of off the ball you are very organised and you're very structured and you're hard to break down so you're coming up against a big Sam side and big Sam and sure a manager that you're very familiar with um I, I really do feel like Everton are going to struggle in this game. So, from a Palace perspective, do you think you're going to take the game to us, or how do you how do you feel like that's going to pan out? Yeah, it's a really difficult one to call actually because if Hodgson smells bloody, he'll go for it. 
that's what I've experienced with him so far. Um, he'll attack a team if he feels like they're there to be attacked. But of course, we have this problem with we've got nine first team players injured um, that would all be pushing for starting places. You know, Julian Speroni's injured, Martin Kelly's injured, Scott Dan's injured, Jeffrey Schlupp's injured. So you know, Scott Dan's our captain. Jeffrey Schlupp was our first choice left back. Martin Kelly slotted in and been brilliant. You go into midfield. Jason Punchin was our actual club captain. He's out. Um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been brilliant. Um, he's out. Mm. <laughs> Wilfred Zaho, Bakary Sacco is our top scorer. He's out. And Connor Wickham's been long-term, and I'd be very surprised if he ever plays at Palace or plays football again. Mm. Um, you know how uh, he's been out for 15, 16 months, and that's a lot. That's a long time mm. for a knee injury. Um, so it all depends with if he feels like he can structure a formation with the players we've got, because we're literally just, you know, we've got scraps and we love to play down the flanks. And that's been where our success has come against Everton in recent years, specifically looking back to the two, three twos that we had in consecutive seasons at Goodison. Yeah. You know, I think I spoke about this with Jerry when I was on last time and it was, you know, with Seamus Coleman on one flank and Baines on the other flank, basically playing as wingers under Martinez it was tailor-made for us because Balassi and Zaha could just stand on either flank and wait for Everton to give the ball away and we were away with pace and we could, you know, scored six goals there in two seasons running mm. and this, uh, it was pretty incredible. I don't think we're going to have that pace down the flanks now. Townsend is um, deceptively slow. He looks like he's fast. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he keeps possession very well but likes to cut inside a lot more. So I don't think we're going to be able to hurt you in um, the ways that we have done previously. Um I mean, Ben Teke has been coming in for a lot of criticism recently because he hasn't got the goals. Um, but his work ethic and has increased, certainly, which it had to because Palace fans are starting to get on his back a bit because, you know, when he scored 18 goals last season, you can, mm. you can be a bit lethargic and lazy. Yeah. It doesn't matter so much. But now yeah. the goals are dried up. But his all-round play has been really, really good in recent weeks. So it's just trying to get players in and around him to work off of the good work he does with his back-to-goal. And then um, that's, that is where we're going to be able to hurt you if, if indeed we can get the service into Benteke with the struggles that we have fielding a proper starting eleven. Well, I mean, you say that you'll struggle, but I watched your last game against Newcastle at home. I mean, granted, Newcastle took the lead, but the amount of chances that Palace did create... <laughs> That, that, that's got to give you some form of confidence going forward. I mean, you're 14th in the table. I mean, a, a win puts you one point just behind us, and we're not that far off Burnley, really, and Burnley are uh, being considered to have a really good season. I think it just goes to show the, how bizarre the league's become in this weird relegation situation. But what are your expectations for the rest of the season? Because certainly one win can turn your season around. Mm. Well, a couple of games ago, when we played Burnley, we won 1-0 at Selhurst. Um, I joked on our podcast, well, being semi-serious, saying, I actually kind of view this as a six-pointer because Burnley are already on the beach. You can tell that. The intensity is not there in their play now that they know they're safe. They're dropping like a stone. We can pull in between seven or eight points behind them, you know, and then you only a couple of wins and maybe we could finish above them this season. All of that optimism has gone out the window in the last couple of weeks mm. because now Zaha's got injured. Bakary Sacco's got injured. We're now out. We basically have very limited attacking threat. Um, you spoke about the Newcastle game. Look how much of that went through Zaha. Mm. And um, in the first half, and this is again talking about um, going back to how Hodgson has um, turned us around a bit. In the first half, we played Zaha alongside Ben Teke with McCarthy out wide. And 
Newcastle the better team in the first half. And but what he does, he likes to conserve Zaha's energy for later on. So he puts him up top and doesn't make him press and just lets him sort of float around, get on the ball, and then just attack when he's on the ball. Then with his conserved energy, he then late in games puts him out wide, and all of a sudden he's up against a tiring fullback yeah. and he's not very tired himself. And that's exactly what we did against Newcastle as well. And he just made Yedlin, I just felt really sorry for Yedlin mm. in that second half because he just had him on toast. Yeah. But it all goes through Zaha and that's the problem with Zaha being out. This season, Zaha's missed eight games for us. We've scored zero goals mm. and lost every single game. <laughs> well, certainly from an Everton fan perspective, I, I really do feel like you're you're the favourites coming into this game. But, got, you know, we're, we're coming off a... A depressing five-one loss against Arsenal. So mm. I, re- I really do feel like you've got the ability to hurt us because we we lack creativity and we lack any real steel in the midfield. So you know, particularly if you're going to decide to hit us on the counter attack, yes, you, you're going to lack pace, particularly with Zaha. But I do feel like you're going to hurt us. So on that note, and just to close it, what's your prediction? Um, I'm actually. I don't think there'll be any goals. I think it's going to be nil-nil. Ooh. I think <clears throat> our the one area where you know the injuries haven't really hurt us because we have loads of cover is at centre-back. So James Tompkins has been <clears throat> absolutely brilliant. And without Zaha in the team, uh, he, he would be pushing for player of the season at Palace. Um, really, really underrated centre-back. And I'm just, I'm still flabbergasted that <laughs> Everton sold, uh, sorry, West Ham sold him to us mm. for 10 million. You know, he he walks into that team for me. And then, of course, with Kelly going out, we've got Mamadou Sacco coming back from injury anyway, so it's not so bad there. Um, Patrick Van Arnholt, one flank, Timothy Fossumenta is where our pace is now, so um, the overlapping fullbacks could could cause us some issues. But our defence is pretty solid, and with your lack of creativity, I'll see it's quite, it'll be quite easy for us to see it out. And if you're talking about a lack of still in midfield, the complete opposite for us, Luka Milivojevic is an absolute mm, monster in the exactly. middle of the park. Johan Kabai doesn't stop running um, intercepts and tackles all game long. So um, if we can win the battle in the middle of the park, um, <clears throat> I, I just, uh, Benteke is not going to score. <laughs> so mm. I just, we might create the chances, but I just still think he's going to finish 0-0. Right. Okay. Right. Nice one for that, mate. Thanks for coming on. Always. No worries. Again, I'd just like to thank Terence for coming on. It's very interesting to listen to his insight into Crystal Palace and what he expects coming up against Everton this weekend. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to like, comment and subscribe. Uh, Let's hope for a better result this Saturday, and let's hope that the performances pick up in general. Come on, you Blues. (laughs)